Lord, it is good to be here where your word once again comes to us and gives us life and salvation. It gives us hope and courage and strength where your word is our life. For your word is our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we ask you now to be in our midst by your Holy Spirit to drive us to all truth that as we call to mind the words of our Savior, Jesus, so we see him as the Lord of life, as our eternal hope, and as our companion in our days. So bless us with your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so in John 7, remember we're at, we're at a feast. <coughs> Which feast is this? The Feast of Booths, is that what you said? The Feast of Booths, which is hard to say. So we say tabernacles, it's easier. Right, it's the Feast of Booths. Yeah, that's funny, isn't it? Or tabernacles. Remember, tabernacle is really a fancy word for a tent, right? It's, an, it's a temporary thing you set up. It's basically a tent. So uh, the tabernacles our little booths, these little temporary dwellings you set up for a week. That's what this feast is. you got to go to Jerusalem. It's one of the three feasts you have to go to Jerusalem for, right? We went over this. So Jesus is going to this feast, and Jerusalem will be packed with people. It'll be totally full, not just people that live there, but people that from all over Israel will be there, all the males anyway. And Jesus is going to do some talking. So he's now addressing the feast and... We will read his his words and then we'll move on. So any any questions from last week or any other week that you've been wanting to ask or anything this week that's happened that you want to ask about? Are you sure you want to ask that question? Not really. <laughs> Dear interpretation. Does anybody have any questions they want to ask? What questions do you have for me? Great. Seeing none, we will read John 7 verses 10 through 18. his brothers had gone up to the feast then he also went up not publicly but in private the Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying where is he and there was much muttering about him among the people while some said he is a good man others said no he is leading the people astray yet for fear of the Jews no one spoke openly of him about the middle of the feast Jesus went up into the temple and began preaching the Jews therefore marveled saying how is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? So Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If, anyone, if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will not know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Okay, thank you very much. So we've talked about um, the two opinions about Jesus. Either he's a good man or he's leading people astray. That's still kind of the theories today. Um, and we talked a little bit about, um, yeah. So we went through, the teaching is not mine, it's, it's God's. And we talked last week, that's kind of what got us started on our discussion last week, was seeking to do God's will versus seeking to do our own will. Right, remember that? And that, we kind of went off on several tangents as a result of that because it's a huge issue for us doing God's will versus doing our own will. So 
presuming you understand everything there is to know about that idea, we will move on. Um, so number one, whose glory do we see in Jesus? So look at verse 18 now. Whose glory is do we see in Jesus? The Father's. The one who sent him. Good. So this is a big theme in the Gospel of John is the one who sent me. That's what Jesus keeps talking about. He's doing the will of the one who sent me. He's seen the one who sent him. He's heard the one who sent him. No one else, no one else has ever seen the one who sent him. No one else has ever heard the one who sent him. Jesus alone knows the one who sent him. Susan. What I find when you're talking about the one who sent him, last week's reading I think had something to do with only the Father knows when when yeah, he will come again. That's right. He doesn't even know. Jesus doesn't even know that. Isn't that crazy? All right. So who is this one who sent him? What do we call that? The Father. Good. So we say this is God the Father. Okay? And this is what Paul talks about, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? So usually, since we are Trinitarian Christians, this is the first person of the Trinity. Not first because he's the best, but first because he's listed first. He's the Father. Okay? So the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Um... But this is the one who sent him. And remember, no one has ever seen him. No one has ever heard him. No one knows him. Except his son. Okay? He has seen him. He has heard him. He knows him. So if you want to know the Father, you have to know the Son. There's no way for you to know the Father apart from the Son. There's just no way. It's not possible. Okay? Pam. Okay, Jean just said it. Oh, so I'm back. <laughs> She's telling on you. <laughs> hey, you know, God the, um, God the Father spoke at Jesus' baptism. Yeah. So, it's like Jesus didn't know that or something. So what do we do with these places? Where does God the Father speak in the Bible? Transfiguration. Transfiguration and baptism of Jesus and in John 12. Which is just kind of the way John does stuff. Well, who speaks in Genesis? Jesus. Probably Jesus. But it doesn't say. It's not explicit. It's, it's just God. But they're always together. Yeah, but, but they're never apart. Okay. So what we do then is we look at even when we've heard the voice of the Father, we always hear the voice of the Father in the Son. Right? It's the baptism of Jesus. It's the transfiguration of Jesus. Okay? So whenever the Father speaks, He's always speaking in His Son. Okay? So you never, ever know God the Father apart from the Son. What do you mean by in the Son, not to the Son? Well, whenever you hear the voice of the Father, it, it has to do with the revelation of His Son. So He never speaks without speaking about Jesus or 
We don't, we don't hear the Father's voice apart from an event of Jesus. Even if it is him in Genesis 1, he says, let there be light. And the light of the world is Jesus. This is explicit in John chapter 1, right? In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and darkness cannot overcome it. John 1, 4, and 5. Okay? So, even in that, it is, it is the, if it's the Father speaking, he's speaking the Son. Fun, huh? So there's no other time, no other time in the Old Testament. No, nope. never. And Moses goes up to the mountain. Talks to Jesus. Talks to Jesus. I know, but that's not. It's not Jesus. a public event. They Jesus. Just see the presence of God. On it's Jesus. It doesn't matter who, if it's public or not. He's talking to Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I'm just reading what Jesus says. I always thought the Father as the Yeah, I know. We all do. That's why we think about it. But if you really read the text in the New Testament, when God speaks to his people, who is that? It's the Word of God. Right? Who's the Word of God? Jesus. Okay? So, so the point is, now here's the thing. I know you guys are doing this. I know. I do the same thing in my head. It's okay. You're all going, uh-uh. I can think of times, but here's the thing. You don't want to know God outside of Jesus. Do you? No, uh-uh, you don't. Because if God's revelation of himself to you is through his son Jesus, right? Does God want the best thing or the worst thing? The best. So this is the way you want to know him. You want to know him this way. You don't want to start doing this kind of stuff. Right? You start trying to tell God, I'm going to figure you out apart from the revelation of yourself to me. And guess where you get? You get there. See what happens? You get voices and stuff. Yeah. So, but what, hap- what happens when we start to find, try to find God outside of his revelation of himself to us? What's that? It's not God. That's exactly right. As a matter of fact, Martin Luther said, if you try to look for God in your own mind, who do you find? Worse. The devil. Okay, because you will create idols. You will create a God that looks just like you or what you're afraid of. So, not only is this the way that God has chosen to do it, it's the right way for us to seek Him. Does that make sense? Let me say it again. You don't want to try to find God outside of Jesus. This whole world is trying to find God apart from Christ. They think there's a generic God out there, right? And we can all know parts of him. And Jesus is just one idea of how to get there. No. There is not a generic God. Is there? There's a specific God. And that God has revealed himself to us in a specific way. So what we want to do is learn 
to believe that that's the right way to know who God is and then to understand that revelation more and more and more so we can know God better. Yeah? Wait. Okay? So, this is what Jesus is getting at. He is saying, I'm not here for my glory. I'm here for his glory. Okay? Now, I know we did this, but let's do it again just in case you forgot. Let's go to John chapter 1, verse 14. So, same book, just the first chapter, which we did like two or three years ago, so it's only, you know, two or three pages back. Is this a good time to tell you that I've never actually gotten all the way through the Gospel of John ever in a Bible class? I've always had to move or something. Wait, don't, no, no, no. Yeah, the, for, I've gotten through chapter 15 as far as I've ever gotten in, in teaching Bible class with John. It was only... I've never successfully taught the whole book. It was only a year and a couple months ago. A year and a couple months. We're doing pretty well. I don't know. I'm assuming this is God's way of telling me. Just keep robbing here. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Most of you are fine if she stays. I, I, I get that. No, I know. Never say, well, I'm assuming this will usher in the second coming. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> About John 14, you just, I'll beg, see? This is what I'm saying. All right. So, John 1, 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay, so, now, again, and, and you guys heard this your whole life, so you know it, but in, your, in, in pencil, if you own your Bible, you can write in, instead of, and dwelt among us, you write the word in tabernacle right there, right? Tabernacle. You guys know that. So, we all know the Greek word there is tabernacle. So, but the reason I want to show you this is because now we have, in John 1.14 and John 7, extremely the same things. It's the Feast of the Tabernacles and we're talking about the glory of God in Christ. Well, one fourteen, the Word became flesh, tabernacled among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. See how it's connected? So the prologue of John is pointing ahead to the Gospel. The Gospel pointed back to the prologue. And the whole idea is that in Jesus, you are going to see the glory of God. In Jesus, you're going to see the glory of God. And the whole book of John is saying, when and where do we get to see this glory? And the answer is going to be, not yet, it's not my time. 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 When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. There it is. The glory of God. Okay? And this is what he's saying now at the Feast of Tabernacles is, if I came seeking my own glory, don't believe me. But everything I'm doing is for the glory of the one who sent me. Okay? Everything. Especially then when he gives himself on the cross in order to save the world. Okay? Susan. Speaking of on the cross. Yeah. When he dies, the curtain runs to not John, but and these resurrected people come out. It's in Matthew. Yep. So different gospel. You think that's when 
No, I think it was I think it was Adam and Eve taught Abel. That's when Christianity started to spread. Was Adam and Eve taught Abel. And Cain, which didn't go really well. Then they started with Seth. So no, um, I'm not really being flippant. Uh, this is the teaching of Abraham and Moses. This is actually Jesus' point in this chapter, is that I'm not teaching something different or new. Right? This is the teaching that God has always been giving his people. It's just, the weird thing is, and we're going to get there in the next section, is that it's it's all been leading to this moment. That's what Jesus is actually going to teach them. Is that all of Moses, all of Abraham, all of the Old Testament was leading to this moment. Which is the life, death, resurrection, ascension, second coming of Christ. Yes, sir? So, by the wording of that, the word became flesh. Jesus was not always flesh. Right. The second person in the Trinity did not have flesh until he was born, of the, well, he was conceived of the Virgin Mary. But he does have flesh now. Now he has flesh. It didn't, he didn't get rid of it. He, ra- he was raised from the dead physically. He ascended physically. And he will return physically, which means he still has a body. And it also means, if at first John chapter three actually covers this as well, is that you too will exist eternally physically. You'll have a body. Right? So so yeah, the, from from the the Annunciation, which is what day in the church here? What day on the calendar? That's Saint Nicholas Day, December sixth, pretty close. What what day we know what day it is, it never changes. Annunciation Day? Nine months before Christmas? March twenty fifth, every year. Whew. When a man and woman love each other very much, they Yeah, so Annunciation is is when Jesus then was the second person of the Trinity was was given flesh. It took on flesh. Okay? And from that moment forward then the second person of the trinity we now know is jesus of nazareth he has flesh but before that he he did not have flesh in that way okay yeah he appeared in ways people could see him but it wasn't incarnation flesh like he has after that does that make sense it doesn't make sense but that's what the bible says okay good question very good that's why it's very clunky to talk about Jesus in the Old Testament because you just have to say like like pre-incarnate Christ. That's just a, a really long way to say before he was, you know, conceived and born. Or you have to say second person in the Trinity because you're trying to avoid saying Jesus, which is his name. Okay, Tom. His name was Jesus. I didn't say it wasn't the Father. I'm saying it is the Son. How did you know if he didn't have flesh? Apparently he had some sometimes. Yeah. I mean, he appeared to Abraham. He appeared to Moses. He appeared all over. He appears to... He appears to Samson's mom. Yeah. I don't know. He has flesh sometimes. And I know this is blasphemous, so, so don't take this home or anything, but... When I, when I first saw Batman and he like opened the closet, got Batman suits there, like he's like picking on his Batman suits. 
I'm like, that's how it happened in the Old Testament. <laughs> Jesus is like, I, I want to be tall today with, you know, dark hair. I don't know. So he had bodies at times, but it wasn't a permanent body like it is after the incarnation. Okay? And it doesn't explain how all this works, so we're just making it up. Because the Old Testament doesn't explain how he had a body to appear and then didn't have a body for a while and then was incarnate. We, I don't know. But he did. He was physically, he, able, he ate, right? He ate and drank in the Old Testament. So he apparently really had a body. But was that he wrestled with Jacob and like Jacob wasn't like, and you have no body. It's not fair. I can't grab you. You know, <laughs> that's not fair. So, so yeah, he had, he had body. That, and even Ezekiel says that he sees him like a man. He's a man. Okay? Daniel sees him like a man. So he's got a body. But it's not a permanent body until the incarnation. I know it's not Batman suits. It's just, like, I'm telling you. I saw the movie. I was like, oh, that's how it worked. And then I thought, oh, you're messed up. I remember that was Robin saying, oh, you're messed up. <laughs> Well, I mean, on the Mount of Transfiguration, he, he glowed. Yeah, he's he glowing. Body, Not yet. But there's a little prediction of it. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. A lot of the stuff we don't know. We just kind of read it and go, I don't know. Put it together. All right, let's go on. John chapter 7, verses 19 through 24. Thank you very much. That doesn't make any sense, does it? That doesn't make any sense. We'll see if we can work through it. All right, number two. Do they keep the law of Moses? Yes, absolutely. This is their whole existence, right? This is why they exist, is to keep the law of Moses. These are people who are in Jerusalem because of the law of Moses. So he's like, Moses gave you the law, didn't he? And the way they answer, the question is asked in Greek, the answer is, well, duh, yeah. Right? This isn't, he's not going, huh, did Moses give the law? No, he's saying, you know Moses gave you the law, right? I mean, and they're all like, yeah, of course. We all know that. And he goes, yet none of you are keeping it. They're like, yes, we do. We're here to keep the law of Moses, right? We've got 490 some laws to make sure we keep the law of Moses. All we do is keep the law of Moses. And now he's saying, yet you don't keep it. Well, that's a different, yeah, that's what it says in the Gospels, right? Right, so in Isaiah it says they, they keep it with their mouths and all their hearts, and, and they say they, they, the way they treat other people. But that's actually not his charge here. That is, you're right, that's in, in the synoptics, he talks about that. But here, that's not actually his charge. Why are they not keeping the law of Moses according to Jesus? Because they're circumcised on Sundays? Nope. That's not it. 
Because they're going to kill Jesus. Because they're seeking to kill Jesus. And they're all like, no, we're not. We're not trying to kill you. You're crazy. That's what they say. They say, you have a demon. You're out of your mind. No one's trying to kill you. Are they? Yeah. So remember, one of the things in the Gospel of John is that there's a whole lot going on that you don't see. And this is a passage where it's starting to come together where Jesus is telling them there's a whole lot going on that they're not even aware of. That even in their keeping of the law of Moses, they're actually going to be breaking the law of Moses by their desire to keep the law of Moses. Doesn't that sound weird? But we're going to start a section now where he's going to be talking about in your desire to keep the law of Moses, you're going to break the law of Moses because the law of Moses is what? It's Christ. Because the law of Moses is really about Jesus. And when they reject Jesus and they seek to kill him, they are breaking the law of Moses. And I know this sounds weird, but this will actually carry us through now the next section of the book, okay? Is that in their desire to keep the law of Moses, they're actually going to end up breaking the law of Moses because the law of Moses is fulfilled in Christ. And their rejection of Jesus is the rejection of the law of Moses. Why? Yeah, but go back to what we just said. What? We, what, what? He's the Savior. They don't recognize him as. They don't recognize him as Savior. But go back to what he just said. You're right. You're right. But what did he, what did we just get done talking about? Because he's who? He's the Father's Son. Good. So the whole point of the law was to reveal who? God. Well, guess what? The full revelation of God is here. His name is? Jesus. Jesus, not the law of Moses. Whatever the law of Moses said, if it was a true revelation of God, it has to agree with Jesus because Jesus is the revelation of God. Now, what happens when Jesus breaks the law? They think Moses wins. Jesus says, no, I didn't do that for my glory. I did it for the glory of the one who sent me. Right? Jesus, by definition, cannot break the law of Moses because the law of Moses was given to show them God and he is the full revelation of the Father. So whatever Jesus does is not breaking the law of Moses, but keeping the law of Moses. Therefore, anyone who is against Jesus is by definition breaking the law of Moses. I know. Isn't that nuts? This, this is hard, and I'm not even Jewish. <laughs> yeah. And you don't even care about the law of Moses. But this is actually what Jesus is going to... He does this in the synoptics, too. He just does it in a little bit different way. Paul does this in his, in his writings, too. 
He goes, this can't be a violation of the law of Moses. This is the law of Moses. They're like, no, it's not. He's like, yeah, it actually is. You just didn't get it until Christ revealed to it. It was a mystery. Now we see it revealed. Okay? So number three, does Jesus keep the law of Moses? Even when he breaks Sabbath? Yes. Because he is the fulfillment of the law. The first five books of the Old Testament. Okay. All the dietary Everything. The Everything. Testament. All the thou shalts and thou shalt nots, all the curses and blessings, all of it. And they were, it was given to the chosen people as a way to live their lives in God's... No, it was given for one simple reason. Here's the deal. I will be your God and you will be my people. Sound good? Yeah, great. Okay, here's the way this works. You do what I tell you, and I'll be your God. You stop doing what I tell you, I stop being your God. And they said, great. He goes, okay, here's all the stuff you got to do since I'm your God and you're my people. And they said, sounds good, we'll do it. And God said, let's just be clear. If you stop doing those things, I'm off the hook. I don't have to be your God anymore. And they said, okay. That's the law of Moses. It involves what you eat. It involves what you wear. It involves how you worship. It involves how you interact as people. It involves how you treat your leaders. It involves everything. Everything. Every single aspect of your life is consumed in this covenant that God will be your God and you will be his people. It, it affects every single thing you do. How you speak, how you eat. Sacrificial. What do you talk about? Sacrificial. Sacrificial system. What do you talk about as you're going down the road? God. That's, it. That's what it says. When you lay down, what do you talk about? <clears throat> when you get up, what do you talk about? When you're walking along the road, what do you talk about? When you teach your children, what do you talk about? Anything outside of your tongue? No. Law of Moses. <clears throat> Do you have polyester clothes? No. No. <laughs> no polyester clothes. You don't have polyester sheep, don't wear polyester clothes. Scratchy. <laughs> Weren't they pretty unrealistic to think they could do that? Like if, if that was a proposition to me, I'd be like, well can't do it, so I don't think I want to agree to this. Well, you just watch this God defeat the gods of Egypt and bring you out of slavery through the Red Sea, which was parted on both sides and you walk through on dry land. And you're kind of going, I like this God. (laughs) (laughs) This is great. Right? And he goes, okay, I got a few laws. (laughs) And you're like, great. No problem. But don't worry. He actually sets up a system even inside of this law. He sets up a system of what happens when you break the law. Because guess what? You actually aren't kicked out as soon as you break the law. You're just removed from the people of Israel for a time. Remember, it's like this. I don't know why we never get through John more. <laughs> this is the way it works. Okay? 
what's that? Tabernacle. You guys have been there. Yeah, you've seen one. Perfect, isn't it? <laughs> Not as good as my map of Israel, but it's close. Okay? What are those? The 12 tribes of Israel, right? This is how they live. Now remember, not all 12 tribes, 11 and then one's divided into two. Joseph is divided into two after Manasseh. Why? Because you've got to have 12 around the outside. And what, what happened to one of the tribes? The Levites are going to live in here. Okay? Moses and Aaron are going to live here at the entrance of the tabernacle. What happens when... Who am I going to pick on? Who should I pick on today? I won't pick on anybody. What happens when I'm unclean? What happens when I mess up? I go out. I'm unclean. I can't be where God is. Remember, this is the Holy of Holies. This is the holy place. I can't be close to God because of my sin. It's driven me out from His presence. Okay? How do I get back in? Sacrifices. The sacrificial system. Okay? And the priests, the Levites and Moses and Aaron, they'll let me know when I'm allowed back into the people of Israel. Why do you want to be the people of Israel? Chosen. Because that's, that's my people. That's where I live. And because God is their God and God's pretty good because he delivers you out of Egypt and all that kind of stuff, right? So I want to be where God's people are. Now, once I get back here, am I allowed to just go from here to here? No. I got to go through all this. And there's stuff here. There's sacrifices and stuff here. And so I got to go here. And guess what? I can never actually get here. Never. I will never in my whole life get here. Ever. Who goes there for me? A priest. And, and even all them dudes can't get there. Who goes there for them? The high priest or the chief priest. Okay? So what happens is, will you ever get to God? No. You need a mediator. So when Jesus comes, he says, I'm this, I'm this, I'm the tabernacle. As a matter of fact, I'm the whole people of Israel. So the law of Moses was setting up this whole system. Well, guess what? So that's all me. I'm the fulfillment of all of this. So what happened was the people of Israel, they finally just got, they threw all this away. They built a temple and they said, we don't want to be God's people hanging out around a tabernacle. We want to have a temple and a king like all the other people in the world. And God said, I don't think you remember our agreement. If you want to be somewhat other people, then you get a different God. And they're like, okay. And he goes, just remember that there are no other gods before you make this agreement. And they said, we don't care. So what God say? Fine. You can have the gods. You can have the Assyrian gods. I'll let them win. And they said, no, you won't. And he said, yeah, I actually will. Watch. And what happened in 722? The Assyrians destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel. And the, and the southern kingdom, he said, do you see what happened? 
if you keep if you keep falling away from if you stop if you worship other gods like they did the same thing will happen to you and they said no it won't because you're not that kind of god and he goes I don't think you remember our agreement okay and this is actually what happened and so in 587 BC the Babylonians destroyed the southern kingdom and they wiped out the temple that they had made say oh this is the place where God lives as long as the temple's standing we're good to go right well guess what temple wiped out temple gone and they said uh oh we don't have a God anymore. Which means we don't know who we are. So now Jesus walks up in the Feast of the Tabernacles and he says, I am here not for my glory, but for the glory of the one who sent me. You know that Moses gave you the law and yet you don't keep the law because you're seeking to kill me and I'm the one that God sent. Okay? Now, here's the thing. Don't forget, though, Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. So let's go quickly. Let's go quickly to, to Galatians, just because it's fun. So we're in John, and then after that's Acts, and then you get into Paul's letters, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, and then Galatians. Okay. So Acts, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, and then Galatians. Galatians four, verses four and five. Okay, so here's the crazy thing. The way that God fulfills his law is by sending his son to be born under the law. So Jesus actually isn't like outside of the law. He's actually born under the law. It's a state of humiliation, right? So what do we, what do we read about Jesus' earthly life? What happens to Jesus on the eighth day? He's circumcised according to the law of Moses. What do his parents bring to the temple when he's, when he's born? What do they do? They bring a sacrifice according to the law of Moses. What does Jesus do every Saturday? He goes to, he goes to synagogue, right? And he listens to the law of Moses. Right? What does Jesus quote as authoritative text when he's, talking, when he's walking and talking? He quotes the Old Testament. He quotes the law of Moses. He's born under the law to redeem all of us who are under the law, right? Now, are you an Israelite? No. Are you under the law of Moses? No. Isn't that weird? Because Jesus is a new covenant. Right. You're actually included in a different way. Now you're included because in Jesus we have a new covenant which includes both the Gentiles and the Jews. And now God is your God, not because you've kept the law of Moses, but because the one who came under the law has redeemed you. He's bought you back and he's placed you as gods. So listen to this. In Jeremiah 31, Jeremiah said, here's the thing. God has told me that we're going to start over because this first arrangement stunk. Not because God was bad at keeping it, but because you were. So God says this, I'm going to do a different covenant this time. I'm going to start a brand new covenant and here's the basis of this covenant. I will forgive your sins. That's the basis of the new covenant. I will forgive your sins. And the book of Hebrews says this, 
It's a new covenant because Jesus is a better mediator than Moses. And because it's a new mediator, a new covenant. And this covenant is better because we can't mess it up. It's been kept in Christ. Okay? So this is really what John 7 is getting us to think through, is the covenant that is made, the law of Moses, all this. So number four, what is the point of circumcision? What's that? It's the law given to... Yeah, to point us to Christ, but who, did, who received the law of circumcision? Abraham. Wait, what? So this isn't part of the Mosaic law. It's reaffirmed the Mosaic law in Exodus, but it's originally given to Abraham in Genesis 17. Okay? So he's going to talk about circumcision... Yet circumcision is not part of the Mosaic law. It's the Abraham covenant that's reaffirmed in Moses. Why was Abraham given circumcision? To set him apart so that everybody would know he belongs to Yahweh. Don't think that through. (laughs) (laughs) Don't. You did. I told you not to. But we're all adults here. Well, at least physically. <laughs> Why circumcision? Yeah, that's a medical reason. What's the promise? What's the promise to Abraham? It'll be your seed. Circumcision is coming really close to making that not possible. Right, and it's a sacrifice of flesh and blood. So don't forget that the promise is always through the birth of a son. It's always through the birth of a son, and therefore circumcision all the way down. Until, this is the weirdest thing ever, I didn't make this up, it's not my story, until the son that it was all pointing to was not born that way. What? Right? Circumcision. Which we won't go into details. Birth of a son. Circumcision. Birth of a son. Circumcision. Birth of a son. Physically, get all that's going on here. Jesus comes along. No physical male involved. Physical female? Yes. But she is a virgin. Okay? So, circumcision is now over. With the birth of Jesus, the covenant of circumcision is over. So Jesus was not circumcised? Jesus was circumcised under the law of Moses, but we didn't get yet that that is now over. This is the point of the Apostle Paul's writing in Galatians, is that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, and therefore circumcision is of what good does it do you? Nothing. Paul says circumcision or uncircumcision means yeah. nothing. Then why do we still do it? Is it why do we do it? Medical. It's medical. Okay. It's hygiene. Okay. Yeah, but it, it means nothing before between you and God. What does mean something between you and God? Jesus. Was he circumcised? Yeah, law of circumcision kept in Christ. Right? Now after that, 
Paul says it means nothing. So they think circumcision produced sons? No, it was just a keeping the promise of Abraham. It was a sign that Abraham's promise was kept and that we believe in that Yahweh. Okay? So, number five, what is the mission of Jesus? So look at, look at 23. If on a Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made the whole man well? See, the, the mission of Jesus is to make the whole man well. So what he's saying is circumcision is just a little cutting, but Jesus healed an entire man on the Sabbath in John chapter 5 when he healed the invalid. He made the whole person well. So he is coming to fulfill the law of Moses and give us a greater covenant, a greater wholeness, a greater healing. See, okay, let's just think it through this way. The promise, the promised land. Right? Where was that in the Old Testament? This Canaan, right? Because what we know is Israel today, basically. And what, what was that like? Land flowing of milk and honey. You ever been to Israel? Not much milk, not much honey. Not flowing. But it was the land that God promised. Well, guess what Jesus gives you? better. He gives you a better land. Right? What is he what land does Jesus give you? Eternal life is nice, but more than that, what does he give you? He gives you God himself. You get to abide in the Father by abiding in the Son. And that will result in eternal life, that will result in heaven, that will result in living forever with God, that will result in a physical body that is raised up and glorified, all these things. But it's actually better, right? What about the kingdom? Yeah, the kingdom of ours remaineth. We even sing it, right? But the kingdom is not just a king, a, a throne over a country in the world that could be overtaken by their armies. No, the kingdom we get is an eternal kingdom in the heavens. Not made by human hands, right? So Jesus is coming to give us everything better. And this is, this is the movement of Jesus in John 7. He's, he's actually, one way that theologians have talked about, he's exploding the covenants. He's actually coming to give them more than they've ever had before. He's, he's filling them up and then some. He does this with Passover, right? You drink these cups to remember what the Lord has done. And now he says, this cup is a New Testament of my blood. And it's not just remembering back, it actually does something. What does it do when you drink this cup? It actually forgives sins. It actually does it. It actually gives you eternal life because it is the true presence of Christ in his blood with the wine. Right? It's more than it ever was before. Now it's something new. There were all kinds of washings in the Old Testament, right? And they did, they were kind of cool. They'd help you get back into the, the camp and all that kind of stuff, help you get back to the sacrificial system. But now he's going to miss a washing that's totally different. This washing is of regeneration by the Holy Spirit that leads to eternal life. It's a different washing. 
This washing in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit actually gives you the Holy Spirit, gives you forgiveness of sins, gives you Christ, baptizes you into his death, into his resurrection, right? This washing, this baptism, makes you a child of God. It does something because Jesus gives us more than the old versions. By the way, this is the whole point of the book of Hebrews is that Jesus gives us more than the old stuff. So don't go back to the old stuff. Get Jesus. Okay? Any questions so far? I know. We're just cruising. I don't even know what to do. I wasn't expecting to get this far. I have no idea what these questions are. Never say ever. All right. John 7, verses 25 through 31. Let's read it. Through 31. <clears throat> then Jesus, still teaching in temple courts, cried out, Yes, you are me, and you know where I am from. I am not from here. I am, I am not here on my own. But he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. At this they tried to seize him. No one laid a hand on him because his time had not yet come. Still many in the crowd put their faith in him. They said, when the Christ comes, will he not be more miraculous signs than this man? Okay, thank you very much. Good. So what authority do people recognize? Yeah, the Jewish authorities, the Jewish leaders of the day. Okay. So that's eh, that makes sense. That's who they're given. So they had this this system of authorities. They had the chief priests, um, which are really Sadducees, and then they had the Pharisees running around who were teaching them what the Old Testament taught, and they were really the teachers of the day. They had other people running around. They also had the Roman authorities, right? So they were under a lot of authority. And what they're trying to figure out is where do the authorities fall in this Jesus thing on this and the on the important issue of the day, which is who is Jesus? Where do the authorities fall? And they're a little confused because they're like, he's speaking openly in Jerusalem, and yet they're trying to kill him. If they're really trying to kill him, he's right there. Why don't they just do it? Why don't they just do it? Why don't they just kill Jesus? It's not his time. So they can't. But from their point of view, why don't they kill Jesus? They will not get reelected if they kill the guy everybody likes. Right? They're scared of the people. So, what do they finally figure out that they can do to kill Jesus even when Jerusalem is full of pilgrims who like Jesus? What do they do? Yeah, but how do they get, how do they get Jesus... 
Yeah, but how do they actually get to Jesus in the middle of a feast when nobody would let them arrest Jesus? How? Where he would be at night. See, they need Judas to show them where Jesus is going to be at night away from the crowd. Now, according to John 8, chapter 18, why does Jesus go to the garden? No, that's in their synoptics. Because he knew that's where Judas knew he was going to be. See, Judas knows that he usually goes out there to pray. So Judas is like, I know where he's going to be because this is where he always goes. So why does Jesus, Jesus go there? In order to be arrested. See, this is why Judas is needed. They can't arrest Jesus during the daytime because the crowds will freak out. But then why did the crowds choose Barabbas instead of him. Yeah. Right, so what happens is the chief priests then in the morning, Aaron's bleary-eyed, they haven't had a coffee yet, and they're like, what is going on? They're like, look, here's the thing. It, we are on the edge of losing this whole deal. If, if you guys free Jesus, Rome is going to hate us. And we're going to lose this feast and everything. And, they, and they, get, they get people that are friendly with their ideas to start shouting. You guys ever been in a crowd? You ever been caught up in something popular that's just going along and all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, I don't even like this. It's a mob mentality. So they get, they get the people start shouting and start saying, you know, if we don't, if we don't get this Jesus guy, then Rome's going to be against us. And all these people start shouting and all of a sudden Jesus is, is beaten and flogged and he's the martyr for the people. But see, they can't do it during the feast because the crowds like Jesus. And they don't want to lose their positions. So the crowd is actually at this point going, why aren't the authorities arresting him? Do they actually believe him? Do they, do they think he's the Christ and they're just not telling us? Right? So that's what's going on now with the crowds. They're kind of trying to figure out what's going on. But number seven, who is really in control? Jesus. Jesus. They said, and so John says this, in verse 30. So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. You've heard this over and over and over. Mary walks up to Jesus. They've got a wine. He goes, what do I care? It's not my time yet. Right? He just keeps saying this over and over and over. His time is not yet come. It's not yet come. So what's happening is this has, it's not time for this yet. So they can't arrest him. They can't kill him. Why didn't he go up to the feast in the beginning of chapter 7? Because it wasn't yet his time. The father is running the whole show here. Okay? All of us humans are doing all these weird things and the father's like, yeah, not time. Not yet. Right? You got a whole other Passover to go yet before it's time. Even when it was his time, and they came and arrested him, and he said, I am he, they all fell down. So who's still in control? Even then, right? Even the crucifixion. It's still all done according to the will of the Father. All of it. No one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. Right? This is what Jesus says in John chapter 10. Because remember, the disciples are watching this and going, oh, I guess we were wrong about Jesus. And he's like, no, 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 I told you all this. I told you all this so that when it happens, you will know that I am he. 
That's the whole point of John 14 through 17, is he's telling them that this is all going to happen. Don't lose your faith in who I am. Okay? All right, number eight. Why can't Jesus be the Messiah? Because what? Yeah, they know him. They watched him grow up. They know his brothers and sisters. They know where he's from. He's not some mysterious dude just showing up and, and taking over the, the throne in Jerusalem, which is what they thought. That he's going to kind of show up. Well, not Jesus. They know his dad. They know his mom. They know his brothers and sisters. They know where he's from. Right? They've seen him grow up. So they're like, you can't be the Messiah. You're just Jesus from Nazareth. Which goes back to John chapter 1 when Nathaniel was introduced to him and he said, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? See, so this is a big issue for them. Is They, they know this guy. He's just a guy. Okay, so number nine. When will Jesus show who he is? On the cross and the resurrection. Okay? So in the, in the death and resurrection, he, they will show him who he truly is. So John 12 says, When I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. When I am lifted up, then you will know that I am he. Okay? So all these references to the cross, to the lifting up, is that that's when they will actually see who he is. And he's been saying all along, Yeah, you saw me grow up in Nazareth, but who really sent me? The one that you've never seen or heard. The Father, right? So, so this is continuing this cycle. If is this this tension between who Jesus looks like he is, who he really is, what the law of Moses looks like it teaches, and what Jesus is going to tell us that it actually teaches. These tensions are now going to continue to be slammed together. And the next chapter, we're going to see a major tension between Abraham and Jesus. Okay, so we're smooshing together Abraham and Moses here. All right, um, it's time to go. Because, yeah, I know. I, I'm as shocked as you are. I, I'm a, I, I, what are we going to do next week? I have no idea. Yeah, we'll just ask some questions. So we'll see. Um, that was impressive. And that's because you guys know so much. You guys got good answers. All right, let's, let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we praise you for your Son, Jesus Christ. For in him we see you as a God of love and mercy and forgiveness. When we break your law, when we violate your will, it is the cross of Christ that stands as our redemption, our restoration, that draws us to repentance knowing that you are a God who forgives sins and grants eternal life. So let, let us live each day trusting in you, as King of kings and Lord of lords, as the God of the universe who holds all things in your hands, as our loving Father who protects and provides for us, who gives us all that we need for this body and life. All that love guaranteed to us in our Savior Jesus. Keep us safe this day and let us walk in your will. In Jesus' name. Thank you all.